Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Dakota Ring is the name of a new monthly podcast hosted by Slate's TV critic, Willa Paskin, that tries to crack all sorts of cultural mysteries. So far, it's deciphered clowns and when and why they got so scary. And it's also unpicked a fan theory all about the BBC TV series Sherlock. This is episode one of Dakota Ring, and it's all about the laugh track. That canned laughter you'll have heard on many TV comedy shows. Once, it was a really big thing. But now it seems to have fallen out of favour. Imagine it's the 1950s. You've just gotten your very first television set. It weighs a ton, and it's the size of a bureau, with wood paneling and a couple of dials on the side. You set it up in the living room, and you call in the whole family, and you turn it on. It's too late now, but ladies and gentlemen, I must tell you... It's the Jack Benny program. Originally a hit radio show, the series starred Benny, a one-time vaudeville performer and comedian, as a version of himself, a radio star. And now that show from the radio, it's on your television. And even though you've heard it before, you've never seen anything like it. Before, when you watched a performance, it was in public, with an audience, and now it's happening in your house. Think about how strange, how new that must have been. And then listen. You hear it? Something recognizable, something reassuring, something that tells you what you're watching. Laughter. It was my sponsor who didn't have the nerve. (laughs) That's how most early TV comedies were recorded, in front of a live audience, oftentimes in studios in New York. By the early 50s, as the TV industry moved away from New York and into Hollywood, executives wanted to move away from this traditional approach of broadcasting what amounted to live stage shows. They wanted to shoot comedies on film, comedies that weren't live but that still sounded live. The solution to this problem? The laugh track. And the person who came up with the solution? Charles Douglas. Charlie. Douglas was a mechanical engineer who had worked on radar for the Navy in World War II, so he knew his way around audio and electronics. In 1950, The Hank McCune Show, a mostly forgotten series from NBC, had used a rudimentary laugh track. But by 1953, Douglas had developed a better way to insert a laugh into a show. If you've ever watched an old sitcom, you've almost certainly heard his work. Now we lift up the dryers and see how their hair turned out. I asked Ron Simon, curator of television and radio at the Paley Center, formerly the Museum of Television and Radio, what he knew. Charlie Douglas took the concept of just adding laughter, probably from a transcription disc, to create a machine that could do it. And he created this little box using laughter from Marcel Marceau and from Red Skelton from the silent sequences and created tape loops that could then be injected into film comedy to make it a live experience. Douglas then poured over these laughs at his kitchen table night after night. He spliced them into analog tape reels that could be played on a patented device Douglas had built himself out of household appliances, organ parts, and vacuum tubes. 
The device was about three feet tall, the shape of a filing cabinet, very heavy, and had slots for 32 reels, which could hold 10 laughs each. It was officially named the audience response duplicator, but it became known as the Laugh Box, and that's laugh, spelled in the goofy 50 style, L-A-F-F. The Laugh Box is this weird machine that's closer to, we'll say, steampunk than it is to modern electronic technology. Like an adding machine where you just press these dials and laughter would happen. Eventually, it would evolve into more of a typewriter thing where you would punch keys. The Laugh Box could chuckle. (laughs) It could laugh with side relief. (laughs) It even had a reel, controlled by the foot pedal, that was just hitters. Tiny little one-person laughs. At its most sophisticated, the box had 320 laughs. It could play one laugh at a time by pressing one key, or by pressing multiple keys together, it could play a bunch of laughs at once. So if you thought something was remotely funny, you'd say, let's have this guy laugh right here. <laughs> and he just had that going. And maybe he'd come back and watch it and say, you know what, that, could, that wasn't quite as funny as, as the producer's going to want it. So maybe he would add a second sound like this. <laughs> And then he would add it all together and mix it together so you hear the full product. (laughs) Three separate clips overlapped. What would happen was the producer or the director would come back and see his work and say, you know what, that could use a much louder laugh. Can you give it a louder guffaw? And he'd say, all right, sure. So, So he'd throw something in just like that. Because laugh boxes were patented and handmade by Douglas, it wasn't like just anyone can make or use one. There were only a handful of working models at a time, and he basically had a monopoly on the process. By the 1960s, almost all sitcoms were single-camera shows, filmed without an audience, and tricked out with a raucous Charlie Douglas laugh track. The boxes supplied laughter for tens of thousands of episodes of television. Tens of thousands, maybe even more. Everything from the Munsters, Bewitched, the Beverly Hillbillies, Gilligan's Island, to Mary Tyler Moore and Cheers. For decades, their sound was ubiquitous, but Douglas didn't want to talk about his device. Douglas, whenever he went to a show, would cover it over and no one would actually see him at work. There is something, you know, embarrassing. It was certainly part of history, but, you know, not many (laughs) producers want to talk about and really actually talk about you know, how the last sausage was actually made. Douglas hardly ever gave interviews or spoke about his work. A 1966 piece from TV Guide titled The Hollywood Sphinx and His Laugh Box, in which the Sphinx is Douglas, describes the mystery surrounding the man and his device. The author wrote, If the Laugh Box should start acting strangely, the Laugh Boys wheel it into the men's room, locking the door behind them so no one can peek. I mention the name Charlie Douglas, and it's like Cosa Nostra. Everybody starts whispering. It's the most taboo topic in TV. I want to say here that every knock on the laugh track that you've ever heard, that it's fake, that it's corny, that it's cheating, that it's not funny, that it thinks audiences are dumb, people have been saying since the beginning. And that's part of the reason for Douglas's silence. But listening to Douglas's laughs, hearing Paul try to recreate them, it changed how I thought about them. I've always prided myself on being open-minded about the laugh track. A funny show is a funny show, with or without one. But even so, I always thought of them as automated, mechanical. But they aren't really that at all. They're a craft. Charlie Douglas played his laugh box like it was an instrument, literally. A lot of people think it was just a bunch of laughs thrown into a tape machine and someone's pushing the button. It was an art. 
I mean, he took it very seriously. Here's one of Charlie's laughs. It was used in the late 60s and 70s, including in the pilot for MASH. (laughs) You hear the laughter tailing off at the end? I love that. It tells a story in a single laugh. There's a joke, but one guy in the audience, he doesn't get it right away. He's a split second late, and then he laughs a little bit longer. Here, listen to it again. Charlie Douglas wasn't just a sound engineer. He was a psychologist. The rap on the laugh track is that it's fake laughter from a fake audience. But that's not quite right. The laugh track doesn't just represent a bogus audience. It represents an audience of one, of Charlie Douglas. He definitely goosed laughs at producers' instructions. But to a large extent, he and the people who worked for him followed their guts. It's incredible that one man's taste and sense of humor were so important in pacing an entire type of television comedy. But it's true. That's Dakota Ring from Slate, presented by Willa Paskin and produced and edited by Benjamin Frisch. You can find that, listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Or if you go to rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour now, there's a link to the program page. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.